Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Angela Sun. Before we get to Angela, I have announcements to make. And first and foremost, go to our website. That's TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there and see articles that I've written, articles that some of the guests have written. You can see links to their social media. You can see links to our social media. And that's, of course... Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's links to our Facebook page. There's links to Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and iTunes. And if you go to any of those outlets, please give us a good rating. That helps more people find the show because it boosts our presence there. That's a cool thing to do. I'd appreciate you do that. If you want to write me, I can be reached at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. So, Angela's son, she's someone that uh, I should have met earlier, probably years ago, because we're in the same business and maybe even had the same representation a long time ago. Anyway, she's a TV host. Right now, she'll tell you all about that, what she's doing. She's uh, reporting, doing news and uh, local news here in L.A. But I met her at a uh, travel event where it's always good to connect with people who share the same interests. And Angela travels a lot. She's been to many places around the world. She's hosted travel shows. She's made it a big part of her life. She made a, a documentary film. And like me, she's a big uh, diver and lover of the ocean. So she works hard to protect that. We'll have links to all her sites and social media at TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can see her travel stuff at ChasingASun.com and see where she's been and where she's going. So it was a pleasure to meet her, and I'm glad we got the chance to finally connect. So please enjoy my conversation with the lovely and charming Angela Sun. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right. When my family moved over here, my dad came to study for his PhD. From um, China? He came from Taiwan. Okay. And he went to Santa Clara. And actually, he's a really big reason why I travel. Uh, but he came over with nothing. You know, they borrowed money to, and lived off his of scholarship and stuff and set out for this Silicon Valley, the wild, wild west of engineering land. And it's the American immigrant story. Yeah. We're yeah. putting a stop to that now. That wall's just got 10 feet higher. Gosh. <laughs> I know. I know. So, it's, it's very, oh very boy. unfortunate. Yes. So I grew up speaking Mandarin with my grandma. My, my dad is from Tendu. So it's Sichuan or Sichuan as like the bastardized yeah. Sichuan. Sichuan. Um, Spicy. That's what I know about Sichuan. Well, it's funny because when I went back to China... They would all call me. They thought I was American, sure. and you know, because I looked which a you different. are, yeah, which I am. <laughs> but I feel like being bicultural, you have all these different influences. Was your accent totally Americanized? Yes, for sure. <laughs> they were like, but they Where were are they were actually from? surprised that I was able to speak Chinese. But when I would, the ladies actually I've never been to Tendu, but in different parts of China, they'd be like, "Oh, where's your family from?" Yeah. And I would say oh it's Tendu or Sichuan and they'd be like oh Nisiga La Mainz which is spicy girl and this was actually during when the spice girls were like a big oh, thing and sure. so I was like it was it was just funny because baby spice a, Asian spice apparently <laughs> girls who are from that province or from Tendu they're hot tempered mm. and spicy so they've got a lot of zest for life um, do you fit they in they are known to be the, you know, more glamorous types. Oh. I'm not glamorous. And then you went into I'm show not, business. I'm not glamorous at all. But, but you're in show business. <laughs> Come on. You got the lights on you. I've seen the photos. So when did you get to L.A.? I came to L.A. to go to school at UCLA, and I just never left. Okay. I spent half my life in Silicon Valley and the Bay Area, Hala Yay area, <laughs> the 408. And then I came down here, and now I'm AWOL, which is always west of Lincoln. Got it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you just live down the street. It's good to know more people in the neighborhood, because yeah. I'm new to the neighborhood. You are my neighbor. Uh, so 
people who don't live in California think, oh, you all live in California. It's all the same thing. But really, Northern oh. California, it should be at least two states. No, this, Mike, it is it's like huge. it's a different world up there. A different world. And the was it thing, a culture shock for you coming down? It was a bit of a culture shock, but I feel like now that I've been here for so long and spent half my life there and here that I have a good grasp of it. I'm a true Californian through and through. <laughs> But there are things that I love about the Bay Area and there's things that I love about L.A., but they love to throw shade on each other. Right. Actually, no, I take that back. No, I think the Northerners care more. NorCal people really love li- to hate on L.A. Yes. And L.A. loves Doesn't care. the Bay and they don't care. <laughs> no. It's like the same thing. It's like little brother syndrome L.A. has to New York, right? We love to in throw Canada, shade on... Canada, the U.S., like, yeah, I mean, same thing. It's like New York versus LA, and you know, it's it's a it's a little brother syndrome, and right. well. whatever I say to each his own, and <laughs> it's it's I I think the good thing about traveling is well, there's a lot of good things about traveling, but one of the good things about kind of splitting my time in both places is that you really get to appreciate both. So yeah. when you go back to whatever you actually appreciate the sunsets or you appreciate the good Chinese food up there or you appreciate the, you know, all the amenities here. <laughs> like so, the beach. So living in San Francisco was never on your radar? Not really. So I worked up in the Bay Area for the Oakland A's recently or it was a year what or two ago. I was the in-game reporter oh. for NBC Sports. For a whole season? Um, for the season, yeah. So I commuted. It's a lot of games. It's a lot of games, yes. I did all the home games, so I commuted, and I was in L.A. half the time and up there half the time, and my family's still up there, and I'm really close to them. Yeah. And so I do go up there a lot, and they do have better Chinese food. Of course, yes. <laughs> and Give us a Chinese food recommendation in, uh, in San Francisco. Ooh. Is Chinatown for tourists? You know what? Or yes, is the best? totally for tourists. Okay. Um, honestly, so I like to consider myself a self proclaimed Shalom Bow connoisseur, okay. XLBs or soup dumplings. Um, love them. I loved him some. That is my jam. That is my vice is soup dumplings. Right. And we've all, we've already talked about, we've covered Din Tai Fung on this. Uh, I don't like DTF. Oh, DTF no. even. Wow, I know. Okay. <laughs> I don't like Din Tai Fung. Really? Honestly, I feel like they're kind of chintzy. Okay. Like, especially uh, the one in Arcadia is okay. Um, cause it, it, I feel like it's more authentic, but especially like the ones, in the malls that are popping up now, like I just feel like it loses the authenticity and the, it's smaller, it's more expensive. The quality is not as great. Well, I um, went to the one in Taipei 101. Well, that's the legit one. That's I was the, there. That's the real one. I don't want to brag, Angela, but I hosted top 10 things to do oh, in Taiwan. Oh my for, gosh. Uh, I'm that so aired jealous. on CNBC once. What? Because when you think of Taiwan, you think of me. Oh, wow. I'm a exactly. poster child. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, I'll send you the link to some <laughs> of my best work. But yeah, I went to Din Tai Fung. Spiegel's Taiwan. The, yeah. Travel Tales Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And then ah. I went to uh, I went to like a market. I went to uh, the, oh my God, the Japanese hot springs. Did you go springs. to the Snake Alley thing? No. Dude, I went, they might have shut that down. Yeah. No, I didn't do that. And I went to, I went to the... Uh, yeah, went to a bunch of outdoor markets and the night I took markets. The, took the subway. Yeah, the night markets. I haven't been back there in a long time, but my family, my mom grew and my dad actually grew up in Taiwan. It's booming. Yeah, it's, it's and, and I have a couple cousins there. One of my cousins was a big actor there, and my uncle oh, yeah? was a director out there. Wow. Yeah, so they're all in the biz. Showbiz family. Um, but did, yeah. So was, did you? I still okay. So oh, wait, you didn't so give us a San Francisco recommendation? Yes. For it's outside of San Francisco. So there's a lot of different places in San Francisco you can go to. There's, um, I think, Outer Richmond. I forget the name. I think it's Dumpling King. It's all right. That's <laughs> one of my favorites up there. Uh, Dragon Bow. It's pretty, but it's, you know, they have rainbow colored dumplings, but it's expensive. And I feel like it lacks flavor. My favorite dumpling place, soup dumpling place to go to, honestly, is in Cupertino. It's called XLB Kitchen. The chef left this other dumpling place over there and opened, sorry, not the chef, the maitre d' or like the hostess lady mm-hmm. left, took the chef, which you know is legit because yeah. it's all uh, Indian and Asian and, or Indian and Chinese really in that area. And it is so good. And it hits all of the points. The price point is great. 
they're really tasty and they're sizable. And if XLB. my XLBs and shallow balls. And if my mom approves of it, if mama's son <laughs> approves of these dumplings, which she is the one who told me about them, it's legit. Now, is she one of those, is she one of those mothers that, uh, that she cooks so good that everything is disappointing when you go out? Uh, yes and no. I love my mom's home cooking. Mm-hmm. She is more health conscious now. So everything is like, you know, super light and healthy. Oh, she's a, she douse it with peanut oil every. <laughs> no, it's not like that heavy, sticky orange right. chickeny like whatever. Know, pan that's Express-y. so good Ugh. Ugh. No, it's well. If your mom made it, it was probably good. well. My mom's home cooking is the best, but it. I have lots of funny stories about my mom, but <laughs> there was a point to my story, and you can cut this part out because I'm brain farting. That's okay. We were talking about oh, okay. So my mom is the Simon Cowell of traveling. Oh. My mom's a Simon Cowell of traveling. She doesn't berate like uh, restaurants, does she? She is just very particular. Oh, boy. About a lot of things. High maintenance is what we're hearing. Um, You could say that. (laughs) You could say that. The thing is, she is very endearing, but she drives me nuts. And so I have... So the reason why I got into traveling so much so i've gone about 65 countries and counting i think mm. maybe some more but i started traveling at a young age because my dad passed away about now 21 years ago oh i'm sorry and so I'm when sorry. my dad passed i was kind of like this is before obviously instagram and all of this i just started traveling because i want to see the world and it was something where i realized how short life was and Embracing family. I was, let's see, I was 18 when my dad passed. Oh, that's, so, a, that's a tough time. Yeah, and it was a very pivotal moment. And Were you was, already at school? I was. My, it was my first day of sophomore year uh. at UCLA. And he had cancer, and it, we thought he went into remission for two years and then came back aggressively, and then he passed when I was in college. And so I never thought of studying abroad I was like, I'm focused. I'm going to be in TV. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to be in LA. And then when that happened, it really opened my eyes up to, wow, life is really short. Like, what if you don't have the time in the world and how do you want to live your life? And so I started, you know, creating bucket lists and stuff. And I went and studied abroad in Australia. And then I kind of loitered there and (laughs) um, traveled Southeast Asia. And that sort of started my whole travel thing but really the impetus was my dad and i'm not reckless on you know like oh just go and spend obviously you have to balance out the work life balance but when people always say oh must be nice or you know i wish i could travel all the time i think it's just whatever you prioritize in life yeah, you're no. gonna do anyways and as a fellow traveler yourself you know that they can go kind of they don't the prioritize outliers yes. yeah Everybody says they want to go. And then when you really put it to them and go, okay, let's make a plan. Yeah, let's, let's, let's book put it. the date on. They're like, oh, as it gets closer, they're like, oh, I got that thing. I can't really. It's like, okay, you don't really, you don't want it bad enough. You really, and they don't really think they can or they think it's too expensive or that. It's either. They think it's more expensive than it is. prohibitive or, you know. But they have no problems going to Vegas and blowing like two grand in exactly. a weekend. So it's like. It's for, like, give me two grand. I'll, I'll, I'll be in Asia for three weeks or yeah. a month. And for me, like, I don't need a fancy purse and I wear heels in the studio when I'm at work, but I'm in flip-flops and Uggs most of the time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it just depends on what you prioritize. So for someone to poo-poo on someone's lifestyle of travel, I think is a bit, I mean, it is judgmental when you're not judging them when they spend $12,000 on a Birkin or something bag. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, but I, I really believe that experiences are what makes us, right? And especially going through like adversities and something like that at such a young age, actually looking back now, I didn't really realize, wow, that is pretty young because that's the same age as my niece right now. And I was like, if my niece lost her dad right now, this is so crazy. Like she seems so young to me. Yeah. But that's what happens. So you just grow up a lot. And then of course, in your twenties, you think you know everything. Oh, of course. Oh, you don't. (laughs) So so then I was, you know, I would go travel and 
I have so many misadventures and things that well, could have gone let's wrong. Let's talk Good about Lord. a couple of them. So you go to Australia, which is a nice starter because it's not a big culture shock and there's the not no language problems and everything mm-hmm. like that. What were you in Sydney or were you? In- I was studied in Sydney at UNSW, but I started out at Lady Elliot Island on the reef because I did a whole marine biology course there. Oh, awesome! And ocean conservation and the oceans has always been a passion of mine. I always wanted to learn how to scuba dive, so I did it there. That's where you learn. And I have uh, been scuba diving ever since and going to chase sharks and sunsets and surf around the world and, and stories when I'm working. I did a, I did a uh, live aboard in the Coral Sea. Ooh. Like, uh, in, yeah, way long time ago, my first time there in Australia. And it was, uh, I can't remember, we left maybe somewhere up there near Cairns. And yeah, that's up, up by um, yeah, Sulawesi like, yeah, like in the, Indo. Way up there. Sumatra area? Almost. I don't know. It was a three-day liveaboard, so we went far out. So you saw some really Really cool neat, stuff. Yeah. How, now rare soft corals, probably. Yeah. How has the... Uh, when was the last time you were there? Dove in Australia. I have not dove in Australia for, oh gosh, like... I'm almost at afraid... At least... I was there in 96. years. 15 years, yeah. Because now I'm afraid to see the reef. Yeah. Which is the problem. So diving, much of it has bleached. I've been it's diving so for 30 years and it's just, it's heartbreaking and stuff I've seen in I know. over 30 years. It is heartbreaking. But I also feel like as a storyteller, as a filmmaker or journalist, it's also, I've taken it upon myself as like, it's duty to go document it, to tell people about what's going on. So I was just recently last year in Tahiti and Amorea and I met up with the coral gardeners who are trying to do this coral restoration project and plant coral. Now, I don't know how it really, the feasibility of it like is to be seen because they just sort of started it. But I know that there's a lot of research and scientists looking to super corals to combat the bleaching and the climate change. But again, genetically modifying coral, like I don't really know that are we too late? Are our oceans dying too much? Because it's not, if it's not going to be rising sea temperatures or coral uh, bleaching, it's going to be, you know, pollution or overfishing yeah. or so many different factors. I just think we need to take more consideration and get people more fired up and excited about the oceans since it covers like, over 70% of our earth, right? Well, I always worry about when people post things like shark attacks and stuff like that. And I just like, oh, no. Because what happens is it makes people afraid of the water. Right. And when people are afraid of it, they don't care about polluting it. They don't care that it's, ah, uh, oh, whatever's in there. You know, oh, yeah. Good. Shark should be dead. And like, no. You don't realize it's like all part yeah. of the ecosystem. And, you know, as the oceans go, we all go. Right. You know, and then you don't. Well, we'll get to that. You, you had a film about this, right? I, I did. I did a whole feature-length doc called Plastic Paradise. It's at plasticparadisemovie.com. Okay. Um, and that was sort of a tangent off of my broadcasting and hosting career where I never sought out to be a filmmaker. I never sought out to even... I didn't even think I could make a feature-length documentary film. I was, I've worked for so many different TV networks and I knew how to package it for TV. Um, but I really want to tell this story and I heard about this Great Pacific Garbage Patch in 2006 was the first time I heard about it. And it's a real thing. It's not... Uh, so it's not like this island yeah, It's just Texas-sized yeah. island that made it sound like... It's yeah. more like a smog, a plastic soup, or if you imagine we're sitting in the living room and there's dust bunnies in corners if, if the floor right. was the ocean it'd be dust bunnies and clumps everywhere um but that a lot of it's ghost nets fishing nets when i was last doing research in 2009 the un estimated there were 600,000 tons of f- ghost net fishing nets in the oceans and that was 10 years ago so recently there was a news article i mean the it was in the media and zeitgeist that they pulled out 40 tons. So if you're thinking they pulled out 40 tons and this nonprofit up in the Bay area pulled this out of the ocean, that's great for awareness. Like, Hey guys, we have plastic in our oceans. And it's like, clearly we do know this, but 40 tons compared to 600,000 from 10 years ago data. Yeah. Gosh, what is it right now? It's grown so exponentially. It could be a million or more. So it's just hard because 
unless you dive, which is really also cost prohibitive for a lot of people. And it doesn't seem like it's something that is as uh, easy as just jumping in the water, right? Um, it's hard because they don't understand. So my goal would, is to really showcase that. And I think obviously Jacques Cousteau is, uh, you know, such a pioneer and also a hero that we all looked up to <laughs> Sylvia Earle. There's so many different ocean pioneers, especially in conservation. And I think it's important to keep continuing telling yeah. that story. Well, I've done beach cleanups here in, in Santa Monica and Venice. And even then, I mean, you don't even have to go out into it to see it just wash up. Yeah, it's and everywhere. It up, and plastic is so mundane and ubiquitous. It wasn't like something like sexy, like a panda or like a tiger or even like an elephant documentary. It wasn't that interesting. So it was very hard to get funding. So I basically hosted TV shows to self-finance it. And I hodgepodge together um, the team to help put it together. And I'm so grateful for I finally understand when people roll the credits at the end. I know every single person and exactly <laughs> what happened. And you really just have to take risks. There was so much, so many times where I just want to like sit in a corner and cry or so many times on a weekend where I'm in edit with um, editors or making notes or whatnot or going on shoots where you're just so tired and just done. And so it's, there's this unsaid code with documentary filmmakers who when we meet each other, it's like, oh. I get you know you. the struggle. I get you. know you. the struggle. Yeah, because then it's, you know, only 30% of it making it. Then you yeah. got to get it out to the world, It's right? got to be seen. That's the problem everything. And we can all put something out there on the internet or whatever. It's yeah. just getting people to see it and then monetizing it. I know. <laughs> and like, and how, do you, how do you actually make a living off of doing something like that? And you're always hustling to, you know, work on your next project. And so this one is, it's, it was in the U.S. It was on Netflix. It's still available on on the website plasticparadisemovie.com. Um, and it's on all the digital platforms and Amazon, Hulu, and great um, iTunes and YouTube. You could rent it and stuff. Um, okay. but we'll have a link to that on our in, site as well. well. Thank you. Sure. And it is going to premiere in the Nordic region in Europe for International Coastal Cleanup Day in September. Oh, are you going to yeah. go there for the premiere? I hope so. I've never been up there. Where in the north? Where one region I haven't been. Um, Norway, Sweden, Finland. Oh, and you love it. Denmark. Did I say Denmark? No, but yeah. yeah. Scandinavia. Scandinavia, yes. Scandos. I've never been there, so that would oh, be... Oh, you'll love it. It's beautiful. Be very fun to go. Beautiful stuff. Um, You've been everywhere. I have. Well, not everywhere, but it's. Uh, I've collected a, quite a number. Are of you them. on triple digits countries? Yeah. I think after this last <sighs> Africa trip and after doing Amazing. these cruises for a while, I got to do another count, but I'm definitely over 100, especially with all these little islands on these cruises and Amazing. You know, when there's so many of them. But I have a head start. I'm older than you. I'm 75 years old. So that's, <laughs> I've been doing this a little bit. But Well, you don't look it. Oh, thank you. Moisturized. <laughs> um so give us one of those misadventures you talked about. Oh uh, give me something you really messed up, culture shock thing, when you first went overseas. Uh, well, I'm dating myself. This was a time before. It was just internet cafes. Yeah. But no one really had mobile phones either. Um, I mean, I had one in the U.S., but I didn't. Right. You had like one. an email address. Yeah, you like maybe. go to the internet cafe to check your phone. Yeah. And like, I mean, sorry, check any emails if, Everything's okay at home. And I was in Southeast Asia. I'll never forget it. Um, in Thailand? In Thailand. And I was about to head to Vietnam. I was with a guy friend. My mom was like, you can't go to Southeast Asia unless you go with the guy. So I had met him in Australia. But he like was from the U.S., from California. Okay. So we're, we decide to split up because he really wanted to go check out Khao San Road, which is in oh, Bangkok, tourist. which is super touristy and yeah. it's a tourist trap. I had had no like, desire to go check that out. And so I was like, I'm going to go chase a black panther in the Khao Suk National Forest. Oh, boy. Like Ooh. an idiot by myself, right? <laughs> and so I <laughs> go and take this tour. And I'm like, I'll meet you at the airport and we'll go to Vietnam together. It'll be great. You know? And... Mind you, there's no communication. Like we have no, we can't, know, can't text. Just, we can't just go on Facebook and check where you are. Or like just assuming he's going to be there. Insta and, stories. Yeah. We just assume we're going to find each other at the airport somehow. Yeah. And so meanwhile, not a lot of people at the airport. Should be easy. Well, he was partying <laughs> at Khao San Road, and then getting sick and getting food poisoning, which I had no idea about, oh. and almost didn't make the flight. I was uh, with a private 
Thai guide who took me down to this national forest, which has supposedly Black Panthers and the the corpse flower, the one that oh, stinks. It stinks really bad. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know why I wanted to go find this by myself <laughs> as like a twenty one year old, um, like an idiot, and then. On top of that, everyone, so we were on a tour and then our little tour was going to go back to whatever, you know, the closest tour spot was. And I wanted to stay. I was like, no, I really want to see a Black Panther. Okay, first off, who wants to see a Black Panther at night when you can't <laughs> see anything and they would see you and probably eat you first. And then I'm by myself with some dodgy Thai guide who I have no idea. We can barely yeah, I'll communicate. I'll take you out in the woods, sure. It was so bad. So then <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure. Okay, let's, can, can you stay in broken English? He's like, yeah, yeah, I could stay. And so we get like a, you know, room. But of course, I'm a student, like a broke backpacker. And so I'm like, I'm not going to pay for his room. Like, he's like, oh, no. I could sleep in the car. I was like, okay. So then oh, I get this room boy. and then... I hear this like knock no, on my door. No, like, not the knock. And he was like, "Oh, it's really cold outside. Can I come oh. in?" And I was like, "Oh, great! Oh, what do I do?" My my clothes are itching. Can and I of take course, them off? <laughs> he holds his. You know, he holds my life in his hands. By the way, no one knows where I am except for right. my guy friend who's puking his brains out on Calcine Road partying, <laughs> and my mom doesn't know where. No one knows where I am at this point in time. I could die. Or worse. And so he's like knocking on my door. I was like, fine. Okay. So I'm trying to play nice. Like, cause clearly like he's the only person he, he has the car. I have to get back to the airport. Um, and then I was like, okay, you can sleep on the ground. And then like, you know, I'm like, I'm clearly not going to sleep at right. all now. Yeah, like there's no way. And then there was these two Swedish girls that were like in the same hotel area. And so I knew there was other people there and I stayed up all night. And then, like, you know, a couple hours later, and uh, and I'm praying to God, like, please, Lord, like, do not <laughs> let him do anything dodgy. He's like, oh, can I get sleep on the bed? And it was like a huge king-sized oh, no. bed. And I was like, this is not happening to me right now. So I just, I mean, he stayed on his side and stuff, but it was like all mildewy. It was just like, oh. there was no AC and... I was just like being a cheap backpacker, super young, didn't Could know what I was doing. you just beg to stay with the Swedish girls? Well, yeah, I should have done that. Yeah. I should have done a lot of things differently, Mike, but I did yeah. not. And so you think I would learn, right? So this is like back when I was 21. Oh, no, no, no. Fast. But he didn't do anything. No, he didn't. So he didn't do anything. Okay, thank God. I didn't sleep. The next morning I go hiking with the Swedish girls and we get leeches and I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm <laughs> so tired. I'm like trying to tape on my Hi8 camera and document, which is somewhere on some sort of high eight tape somewhere in a box now um i didn't see ever the corpse flower or the black panther Aww. thank god <laughs> and so that was my crazy thailand story <laughs> that i survived but then you think so this happened a couple times after that where i was in these sort of dodgy situations and of course traveling by yourself as a girl is a lot different yeah, and I you know. should be more on guard but i wasn't even thinking straight like and so there's a couple other times where i was by myself in china in beijing and my guide i mean he wasn't a guide i just met him at baggage claim he's like oh i'll take you around i'm like okay oh, so no. i jumped in his car like oh. an idiot and i was older and you would think that i'd have more brain cells or you know actually more <laughs> wit to me but did not and then there was another time when i was in burma and I was traveling with some friends and I really wanted to see the sunset from this lookout. And so it was where all the tourists were in Bagan and the temples of Bagan and lost them, made friends with some New Yorkers. And then it was actually pretty awesome. Um, made friends with some New Yorkers and Australians. And then we hitched a ride. I hitched a ride on the back of a 80 year old, like grandpa riding a bicycle back to the town because <laughs> all the buses left under a full moon. And it was like the nice warm night air was blowing and I was happy as a clam, but again, could have been left for dead many times. It's amazing. I've done, <laughs> uh, yeah, we do things while we're traveling that we would like in America, we would never think of, of doing. Yeah. You know, but here's I, the funny, it's weird. I, somehow we trust the universe that it's going to work out. And right. maybe that's, you know, in some ways that's naive, but in some ways that's great that, you know, we're, I think we're just open and present at the time. Yeah. And I, that's my favorite I mean, you gotta, part. you keep your wits about you, but you know what I mean. I know. You gotta be smart about it. And thinking back, I'm like, Well, ah. first of all, did you, have, did you, did you ever meet the guy back at the airport? I did. That's <laughs> okay. how I found out he had food poisoning. Oh, right. Okay. So, so he made it to the, barely he made, made it to the it. airport. I barely made it. Um, actually, when we tried to meet up, the first time was in Surat Thani and 
it was like a tiny town and it was, we were trying to get down to like the Phuket area or the Koh Samui area. And we had been internet or we had been like emailing each other at the internet cafe. It's like, okay, meet here. And then the bus took off and I was by myself. I didn't speak a lick of Thai and he was not there. So I went to the only hotel there hoping that I'd find this person because otherwise we'd be screwed. And he showed up like a couple hours later. But for a while I was a little sketched out again, being a girl by herself in a Thai village where no one speaks English. Well, all of these have worked out. Has anybody been, I mean, have you had one, what was your like scary, creepy incident? Have you gotten one where it's like, have you been robbed at all or anything? No, thank the Lord. Like I definitely felt like I had like, you know, I feel like God was watching over me and being like, don't be an idiot. (laughs) Followed out of a place or Um, something like that? No, I've been super lucky. I've had friends who have been, you know, robbed and Uh, kind of in the wrong place, wrong time a lot of times. And so I think especially now, because we have technology at our fingertips, it's much easier to keep tabs on people. And I, I mean, I would still go out alone, but I'd just be smart about it. Like, would I go out alone if I was in like Nairobi? No, never. Or South Africa? Maybe mm-hmm. not. But if I was in Cuba? Yeah, because that's relatively yeah. safe. Or if I, you know, like reading, would I go surfing in North Korea? Probably not. You know, like that's probably not a great yeah. idea because I actually had the idea and I wanted to do it. And I had a friend who did it. He paddleboarded through and I was like, this is so cool. I'll do it as a story. And all my friends are like, you're crazy. It's North <laughs> Korea. What are you thinking? So I just went to the DMZ, took my little photo. and I didn't, I was only in Seoul. I didn't get to get to the DMZ. Oh, it's pretty trippy. I bet. It's, it's, it's very eerie. But on assignment, when I've been in places like China, um, it can be very Big Brother-ish. And oh, sure, yeah. Especially when you are going to, as a journalist, versus just, you know, a traveler and... The good thing is I'm pretty innocuous. I'm like very benign looking. No one really thinks that I'm going to, you know, ask you some crazy yeah. questions. I stand out in China a little more than you. But <laughs> yeah. What yeah. Uh, What were you shooting there? For, and uh, for who? I did a three-part documentary series about the worth of a woman in China and Ooh, how... What's the, w- what's the blue book value now? What's, <laughs> what's the going rate? Well, now they're all, you know, very coveted because they the female infanticide back in the day, um, it screwed up the ratio of women to men. So the stat at that time I was at current TV, which was Al Gore's network. And, um, back in this is this long time ago, over a decade ago. And we went out to China to go kind of investigate and see, but the stat we were going off of was by 2020, there would be about 20 million eligible bachelors in China who don't have people to marry because right. of the whole one-child policy and they killed off all of the females because boys are coveted. Well, or so they were adopted right. in America. Well, yeah. so then now it's flipped on its head where, you know, now women, it, it's interesting because the women in the city, you know, it's like sort of the sex in the city vibe. There's a lot more money, you know, in the economy as well, but you also have four grandparents because you're the one child, right? Yeah. And then you have all these options on bachelors. So, you know, it's, it's quite interesting. And I really do feel like China's going to take over the world. Um, well, they, I just came back from Africa and they're, oh, yeah, they've, been buying Africa. Up, they've been buying up Africa for 20 years yeah, now. And they don't need every, the U.S. Every construction site was all Chinese mm-hmm. in, in Ethiopia, mm-hmm. in Rwanda, in Uganda, in oh, Zimbabwe. Yeah, no, that, I mean, with 1.3 billion people, yeah. it's pretty insane how China can really lead the way, but also in destructiveness too, especially with cli- well, uh, with oh. the environment and stuff. Yeah. Although yeah. they're, they have made strides forward with environmental changes and, you know, but I have been, you know, I haven't been to mainland China. I've been to Hong Kong and oh. Taiwan twice each. So oh, I haven't been to, I haven't been to mainland different. China. So I've been it's different. Yeah. It's like China light. You know, like, I was, when I we were it. out there doing that story, I was with my producer. We shared a bed like Willy Wonka style in this rice paddy field in the middle of nowhere. Um, super, super West. Um, 
we didn't shower for like three days. There was like spiders on this yeah. spider cave wall thing. I was super freaked out about spiders. And it was such a moment that I is seared in my brain and it was, it sucked so bad. It was like hum, humid and I was, we were just like, what are we doing? And can we right. get the story? And I was following a Christian missionary. It was like this whole like underground missionary thing, which won a telly later on. Um, f- but it was, it was those moments though that I remember the most, right? It's those crazy yeah. misadventures. It's those moments where you're sketched out. I mean, obviously I'm not saying like, you should go take crazy reckless risks. But I think those are those travel moments that make a person. Yeah. And, and those are the, see, you remember them to this day. Yeah. And it's kind of, you got through it. I, like I was saying to you before, like um, birds of a feather, I felt so at home being at this travel event where we met mm-hmm. and um, different friends were there and we're just like, oh yeah, I was in Africa or I was in Mongolia like, last yeah, week. And no one bats an eye. Like, no oh, yeah. one bats an eyelash. Yeah. And I think become, being this outlier... You found your people. Yes. But I also feel like I want to be that conduit to friends who don't travel that much. So I always try to plan trips and I have some friends who have jumped on my trip itineraries last minute. Oh, like good. I'll plan something um, and then they'll jump on, on board or I'll plan the whole thing. And I call it travel Tetris. Like I yeah. like, <laughs> I like trying to figure out how do I use my points? How do I maximize? How do I, um, you know, not break the bank. And it's so easy now. There's so many travel blogs yep. and guides and all that. And I so, use points and miles, this whole Africa thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, so that's what I, I that's what I have them for. Yeah, you know, so, totally. Unless and you're going for work, you got to, you know, use them where you can do it. Definitely. So I um have a travel blog that I started called chasingasun.com. Um and that's where I write about like certain different adventures or different I don't know, what not stuff, but I mean, everyone has a travel blog, but it's just it's more of just perspective on things. I wrote about the don't do the swimming pigs in the Bahamas. Oh, because this was before that. Because it's cruel, or is it filthy Cause water? Because they're dumb. pigs in water. <laughs> I mean, it's a tourist trap. Yeah, and they're hogs. They're ginormous, and like that has gotten a lot of traction. But I think it's just um, nowadays there's so much information out there, and I go to other blogs too to figure out how to plan trips and all that. Um, I feel like why wouldn't you travel? You know, you have it at your fingertips. You have every sort of budget. You have every sort of itinerary that you can find. There's people out there who are creating this content. And well, some people just don't have the interest, which always amazes the me. They just don't. I mean, I understand not having the money or the fear of the unknown or whatever, but some people just don't. They I really guess. don't have the interest. It, that's bizarre to me. And but I don't know if it's like a inner DNA thing, this like exploration and like I think getting that, outside of the box. Like a lot of things, ignorance is bliss. And I think they're happier not knowing. Yeah. And because it gives them more confidence of like, those tend to be the people who go, you know, America's the greatest country in the world. You yeah. know, well, you have no perspective. You have nothing to compare it on. And maybe if they go somewhere. They or might, they're they most, might, or they more might judgy. Like they might like it. And then what? Then everything they thought about before was wrong. But that's, I th- that's no that nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be wrong. Yes. You know, so But I think definitely for me it was because of losing my dad that kind of really spurred on this and, and really so right now it's funny because my mom I've ever since then I've taken it upon myself as the middle child. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm the middle to, too. Oh. See, that's why we're simpatico. See, yes, we explore, we get <laughs> yes. the hell out. That's because we're always buying for attention. That's right. Hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. We go into show business and stand on stage and hope a room full of strangers me, laugh at me, what I say. Yes, <laughs> approve of me, love me. So, I have taken upon myself to make these trips or these, you know, getting my mom outside of her comfort zones she'll go on these like chinese tour things where we went on some europe tour for nine days and it was like we ate chinese food at every Everybody country spe- and they all speak chinese and- well we had like the chinese guide and like the little right. flag and stuff and i was gonna like shoot myself it was just like <laughs> not it was not my jam at all well so, so now i've taken upon myself to do that for my mom and so now she expects it yes so then i have to like one uh, up myself you know of course my <laughs> siblings are like 
I can't believe you did that. And like now it's making us look bad, you know, but it started out with, so now we have mother daughter trips, but it started out with Palm Springs for mother's day slash her birthday. And it was like the spa and all that stuff. Then it turned into Hawaii flyer out first class, like turtle Bay resort. That's nice. Fancy to the nines. But the thing is, I keep saying she's Simon Cowell of travel because nothing is ever good enough. Uh. It's like total Chinese mom <laughs> syndrome. I mean, I know. Does she bother you about not? Where, where's your husband? Why did you? Oh, get, constantly. <laughs> constantly. Where's my grandchildren? Why she's, like, she's like, oh, you can travel with me because you're single. And I was like, dude, mom, seriously? <laughs> Drives me nuts. But. She's learned finally to appreciate it after only a decade of me planning all these trips. So I've planned Argentina and Chile and Costa Rica. Oh my gosh. All these different places. Nice daughter. I know. I feel like I went Asian daughter of the year, but case in point, this is a very Asian mom, or at least a Chinese mom, or maybe my mom thing. (laughs) I got her, she lost her vintage Rolex that she got, and she had it for 30. 36 years or something like that. And um, I found one and I got it for her as a Mother's Day present this year. Because I was like, oh, to replace the one that you lost. It looks exactly like it. I was like so excited to give it to her. It was so expensive. But I was like, no, it's for my mom and whatever. She She told me to take it back. So I gave it to her. She was surprised. And the next day she's like, I think you should take it back. Well, I'd be sure that was too expensive for like. Uh, yeah, and then she's like, "Well, I didn't really want it anyways because like I always had to wear it because kinetics, so you have to wear it for it to work. And if you don't <laughs> wear it, then you got to get it serviced." And it's like, "All right." So it. it's kind of like you're damned if you do, damned with your, your yeah. don't sometimes. And my mom has these like outlandish expectations of what she wants in a vacation too. I I wanted to take her on a Tahiti cruise because um, I had. I had this um, voucher thing from an auction from a nonprofit thing. And anyway, so we were going to go on, or I have this thing I need to use by September. Yeah. And Tahiti Cruise, you really should take a, a guy to that. I, I ended up. I to did. the most romantic islands everywhere. Maybe Okay. I ended up doing that. <laughs> but right. I've gone to, this was the third time I've gone or to Tahiti. Or gal, I don't judge. I don't This show doesn't <laughs> uh, judge. I, I've gone to Tahiti. Um, that would be, it was my third time. And I went twice for work for the Iron Mana Festival, which was amazing. The what? Iron Mana Festival. It was like a Is liquid a festival. It was like this whole water festival that did like surf ski, stand up paddle, oh, um, that fun. swim. One of my friends that I travel with swam around the whole island of Bora Bora recently. Wow. Yeah, he's he's crushing life. And um, we always swap travel stories. And so... So your mom didn't go I to Tahiti? I invited my mom, but she didn't want to go because it was like, no, it's like too bright in the sun. But <laughs> she wants specific things. And if she loves something, she'll like attach to it. Like, oh, the fish sandwich that your sister took me to at the Russian at the, river that uh, was we have to go back so to that restaurant ex- yummy and it was only ten dollars and like I need that but in a tropical place or <laughs> oh, she really boy. loves tropical places but she doesn't swim and she doesn't want to be out in you know the sun are you one of those uh, uh, the Asian ladies I see with wearing like a uh, visor in the sun and long sleeves oh, and yeah. gloves. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's that's when you know you have I see those... crossed the threshold of old because I am Isn't... totally like that now. Like I want the V Stiviano oh, welding no. visor. But you're a surfer. How do you like... I wear a hat every time I surf. I wear a visor now and I cover myself in like <laughs> full on like a white face okay. paint zinc. So when I'm in Asia and when I'm in Chinatown here and you go to the stores and it's all like the face whitening creams and stuff like that yeah is the basis of this is is there is there a racial aspect to it or oh, for sure yeah it was all it's all marketed it's all marketed as like the lighter the skin you have right. the more you well it used to be in the way that, up until like a hundred years ago i mean if you were tan you know that meant you were poor and worked in the field all day and oh, had to work totally. outside for sure so and, but and here that's why now, w- it turned the corner here when it was here, like oh look at him they can be outside all day they're and, bronzed and glowy yes they can vacation and you know but, no but for when i was in china i was like double whammy i'm like left-handed i'm darker i wear a size xl <laughs> what, they hate you because you're left-handed 
that's evil? It, no, it's just like a, you know, you're like a peasant worker because I'm like dark, <laughs> left-handed, and I'm where XL. Where I mean, an X, you're an XL? In, in China, yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, but you're I, tiny. I wear a small hair. You're hair, tiny. But over there, I'm like Gigantosaurus. Yeah, I felt in <laughs> Vietnam, I felt like a, like a gorilla, like walking through like King Kong. <laughs> right? The giant white Godzilla walking um, yeah. through. Or Cambodia or something. Oh, yeah, just yeah. so. I took um, an overnight bus in Vietnam, you know, when you're going uh-huh. through town to town. I did that. And uh, oh, yeah, they are not built. Kind of... They're not built for big whitey. Uh, to oh, yeah. cram his legs in the those. with the one bathroom that yeah. kept splashing out. <laughs> oh yeah, the like wafting. Of oh, the so okay. <laughs> for someone who's never been to mainland China, give us uh, for first timers key advice. Like honestly, I don't points. even I don't what even I do? know now because it's changed so rapidly and so fast. I've been there a couple times now, maybe five, and every time I've gone, I went in '99. I went in. 2009 i went in 97 i believe and then i went back in 2005 what should i'm jumping around anyways what should i not do what's the big mistake most first timers make do i need a guide you you definitely need someone who speaks that's what i mean not if you're in beijing or shanghai or one of the big um cities you can actually get around quite easy and a lot of people speak english now but especially if you're going out to the smaller villages or like Guilin or something like that, like definitely if, and I speak Chinese and I was like, I don't even know how somebody would get around if you don't speak right. Chinese. Not, the signs aren't it's even so in, yeah. hard. And so I feel like a lot of Westerners or foreigners feel like it is hard to um, move about the cabin. Yeah. But I still think it's, it's fascinating. I've never, gone back with my mom I was, i've never gone back to tendu i would love to go it's bigger than most people see a panda think like they're oh it's the country's massive massive the country is massive i mean it's like australia people think australia is like oh just hop over to perth i'm like you know no, that's yeah. like going to new york uh, yeah right? so <laughs> like the size yeah, the whole thing about australia it's like the size of the u.s but with 20 million people there's nothing there's nobody there with like a quarter of what california yeah of california 80 percent of the people live on one coast so it's just like there's nothing. There's yeah. nothing in the middle. So I would go to these amazing beaches. And I remember thinking, even a place like Byron Bay or something, you'd think, oh, my God, if this is in America, it would be overrun with like hotels. AKA and crap. Australian Venice. Yeah. It would just be <laughs> overrun with, you know, all these beach towns would just be crowded. Yeah. You know, just like well, you really notice the lack of people. Yeah. And just like how underbuilt compared to here. Yeah. things are you know yeah. you see the california coast is not a spot that hasn't been built on you know that i know that it's not protected for now there's i um, know there's you know what's interesting that i found throughout the years and the change obviously with instagram and ecotourism and everyone having the fomo or the like yolo of life the thing the digital world how it's changed traveling like I went to Bali and it's just an Instagram spot. Like they literally set up the swing for Instagram and you have to drive there for two hours and then you got to pay 40 bucks to do it. Oh. And it's very easy to get caught up in that, that I have to get that picture. I have to get that shot or like, you know, when somebody dies cause they fall off the cliff to get the shot at Yosemite or whatever it is. It's, it's, it sounds ludicrous, but I feel like that's the world that yeah. we now live in. And don't you kind of miss the old days? I like being connected, but there was a there was a great part of like oh like I when you love said you that. couldn't you couldn't you don't know if you're gonna your friend, like you're really see off them. the grid yeah but that's exciting and, and then I you, had a guidebook and like I think there's very few places like unless you're gonna go like Papua New Guinea or something yeah. or like where you or Cuba maybe I did carry my guidebook around in Cuba um, but when you're doing something like leaving tragedy like you did um, you want to get outside of yourself and get outside of your world and yeah you don't need to be checking facebook yes. all the time you don't need to be checking somebody's in store all the time but that was one of the beauties of travel is that you got away from all that and you get to experience something new and now i feel and maybe like, know yourself a little bit <laughs> better yeah i i think so but i feel like with this whole everyone trying to one-up each other for likes and comments and followers and engagement and whatever it is literally what happens if instagram goes away like that one time I had an outage and people freaked out because they couldn't update their profiles and they couldn't check their feed. 
which was earlier this year, it was like a crazy meltdown. Yeah. And well, they so, changed the algorithm. They always change. Yeah, they the always algorithm. change it, and so so if you're basing your if you're validating your self worth on the amounts of likes and comments and whatnot, like what is your value add to anything, right? And but this is a generational thing too. I mean, uh, you know, I it is. But the thing, this is where I link it back to tourism and ecotourism, and we see how they've closed down places like the beach in Thailand, and because yeah, the spots are being trampled. Because people are just going to get the shot and not taking account the environment. And also, a lot of places can't have that many people. The super bloom during the super bloom, right. like when they all descended in, like off the freeway, and that little town couldn't, like Elsinore couldn't take it. And they right. had to set up, like, people were trampling the, the, natural aspect of what you're going to go capture it's so ironic and everyone's trying to go farther and higher and steeper and to the point of like what are we doing yeah. and so that part kind of drives me nuts because it's not about experiencing the now and i've i am totally culprit i've fallen into that when i was in bali i was like i need to go to the swing i need to go get this and my friends were like what are you doing you know and yeah. and then i realized like oh, I don't need to go to the swing. It's totally dumb. And you should capture moments of life. It's great to share with your friends and it's great to like share your travel tales and your stories. But does it always need to be broadcasted? You know, is it so you can up the following so you can get more free stuff? It's like free stuff only goes so far anyways. What are you going to do in 20 years time? You would say no, once, they're, once they're I was back a, on that too. Once upon a time, I was an Instagram influencer. Like I don't, which whatever I, it's going to be next. Yeah, year. I mean, I know I'm way, in their defense. If all this technology existed when I was, you know, 19, I probably would have been all over it too. You know, so excited to travel and do everything. Oh, and for sure. I get it. I mean, I get it. But no, I don't, and I think I don't you think, can use it as a platform for yeah. good too. You can do social good. You Absolutely. can like shed but, and I'm, I'm awareness the, on as, things. As much as I try to get people to see the world, I also notice that you know everything. Well, there's just more people in the world, but it's also getting more crowded. Mm-hmm. And they just shut down the Chinese side of the, uh, the Everest Base Camp. Oh, Because yeah, it's just getting too polluted, and so many people were going up there and just going, it can't handle. There's no toilets up here. There's no nothing. You right. know, what are we going to... There's no trash bins or right. anything. So it's going to get overrun. And it's... Well, it has been and overrun. And a lot of it... And, you know, unfortunately, you know, the Chinese getting money is changing travel. It's, so you know, being in the cruise industry. Yes. I mean, there's, there's ships now that have gone completely over there just to, for nothing but the Chinese market. And it's interesting. They had to retrofit some of the ships. Just squatty potties? No, for... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, uh, but they finally because the bars were making no money because the because oh, the Chinese weren't but drinking. They, put they in don't drink some gambling, but the casinos and the shops killing it. Oh you yeah, know? yeah, for sure, totally. So, so they had to expand the you... casinos, and they took some of the bars and just turned them into hot water stations because yep. they always want hot water yep. for their thermos and their tea totally. and their ramen noodles or whatever. They're always asking for hot water. Yeah. So finally, so they, the hell with it. Just go and up there you know and get it yourself. It's What's funny is like, so my mom kind of, there is this sort of um, disdain from, you know, living here for so long, I think, for my mom. I mean, obviously, I'm she's Chinese American. She's already turned down. She's already like, she's turned annoyed. her nose up. She's and, annoyed by mainland Chinese people because a lot of they don't the wait times, in line. they don't have manners. I mean, they, they, they like, <laughs> they buffalo you know, their way up to yeah, the front. Yeah, like there's no idea of personal space yeah um i think it's just because there's too many people over there it is but i feel like like we were mentioning before that chinese people are the ones who will change the world for the good the bad and the ugly um they they are already doing it and the more that economy grows you look at something like plastic pollution and i would love to say that us as activists and ocean conservation people were the ones who galvanize the governments and everyone around the world to come together and the UN to come together to stop plastic pollution and stop using straws and stop using single-use disposable plastics. I would love, love, love to say that my film had some sort of impact and hopefully it did for some people. I mean, I know it did for some people, but 
Really, it was China closing its doors on the world's trash. We exported. We were sending it all there, but now that we're Americans, it- that was our biggest export was trash to China. And so now, when they're like, "F this, peace out," we have enough trash of our own. You guys deal with it. All of the, especially the island nations and stuff, and we're sending the it UK to Malaysia and, and stuff like, like that, all over the place. Yeah, they. Everyone, it the ripple effect of China shutting its doors to the world's trash changed everybody's course and started this plastic-free movement and really has opened people's eyes to what's going on, honestly. I think that was really the catalyst of all of this. So um, it is nice to be recognized for things that I've done um, in terms of that zone of what I do. But I also think that a lot of the media jumped on it because all these governments had to do something with their trash now. And whether it be to incinerate it, to try to push for anti-plastic legislation or producer responsibility or whatnot, it's just is crazy that something that was made for wartime became something so mundane yet so such a necessity for like our society of convenience. Really, that's all it is. Because we all lived, they all lived before plastic, before yeah. using disposable things, before saran wrap, before the bottle, before, you know, and it's not villainizing just like the straw. Well, they call it an inconvenient truth. truth. I mean, convenience is one out over everything. Yes. So everybody, people want change, but they don't want to change anything about their behavior. Exactly. So, you know, they can cry for jobs. And bring back manufacturing, and then they go to Walmart and buy everything that's made in China. Right. Well, you can get a TV there for $400. Yeah, but why? Because some guy in China has a horrible life making it. Toxic fashion industry. Yeah. So many different things. But with China getting money, you know, they may may have turned down the world's trash, but they've still got their own, and they're consuming more than ever. They are. They and are. so they're just going to consume more and more and more. So Remember now there was like 10 million bicycles in Beijing and now it's Now it's motorbikes cars, and cars. Which is adding so to the, the pollution. So the pollution has gone through the roof. Yeah, so, they had uh, the blue sky days where during the Olympics they had to shut it down because they didn't want to give the yes. notion to the world that you literally well, can't see the sky. And I say this here to people, they say, you know, cutting the EPA and all this other stuff. I'm going, well, let me come with me. Come with me to a country that doesn't have an environmental protection. Let's go to Beijing and take a big gulp of air. Let's go swim in a river somewhere yeah. over there or in India or wherever. But I think that when people pin it onto Asian countries, like, oh, no, most of the world... could be here. But if, if, if government's the only thing big enough to stop industries from doing that, and if the governments don't care, what ch- you know, profit will well, win. Well, profit will win. They'll dump it. They'll dump it in the river. They'll dump it in the ocean. They'll dump it. I think you know, that's... I'm, I'm torn working for cruises. You know, they yeah. have a horrible environmental footprint. history. They and have so a huge environmental footprint on the oceans. That's yeah. the dichotomy that I have to. Right. And, and the smokestack blowing in the air, just idling right. in the port. I heard it's the equivalent of like 10,000 cars, you know, whatever, just all day, yeah. if it sits all day. Yeah, which it does, you know. Just with, yeah. it's not like they turn the ship off when they park it. You know, it's still running the air conditioning and everything else. I mean, so this goes back to when I was like, okay, I'm gonna sit in the corner and cry because we're, uh, you know, the fatalistic view of right. we're donezo. Well, give me what some good. Uh, give me some good news so well, we can so end up some news, good news here. The good news is a, that a beacon of hope. Give me something. The light at the end of the tunnel is that. I think with the digital world, we can use it as a platform for good. We can get out great messages. And I feel like in terms of opening our eyes to things like plastic pollution, um, it's really brought together amazing innovations and people and young people. I was just at the Ocean Heroes Boot Camp leading uh, these youth leaders. There was about 20 countries represented there, about 300 of them talking about different policies and different campaigns they're going to use to try to you know get their leaders attention and change things so i think future generations they're definitely more woke for sure the younger generations are more woke and it's not gen z but beyond gen z who's really um unfortunately and fortunately that they have so much information that they actually can they can make better decisions than than we did 
And I think that um, in terms of travel, I think it's still, I don't know the quote, but that the saying it's the best way to combat um, prejudice or racism or... Oh, the old Mark Twain. The yeah. Mark Twain one. Yeah, I can't. It's the innocence abroad. It's yes. uh, fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and small-mindedness. Yes. So I still champion for that. I always champion for that. And oh, yeah, yeah. I, the key is doing it in a sustainable way. Doing it way. in a sustainable way. And I think there are ways you can do things and ways you can live simply. Marie condoing life. Yeah, but also I'm trying... Simply in Consume terms less. of consuming less, buying in bulk, carrying your own water and energy, bringing your own when you're traveling. Super easy to, you know, I think more and more now people are aware of bringing their own water bottles. Plus, it's just it's cheaper than buying buying it or bringing a water filter if you're traveling in other countries. Give us your uh, water bottle recommendation or filter that you use overseas. Oh gosh. I don't remember the name of it. I have it. It's like a little package thing. I took it on the Kalalau Trail with me when I did that, which just opened. Where? The Kalalau Trail is um, an 11-mile hike on the Nepali coast in Kauai. It was shut down because of the mudslides. Oh, okay. And it just recently opened about a couple weeks ago. I'm writing Lovely. a blog about that. Um, cool. Can we find that on? Chasing a Sun. Chasing a Sun. Yep. So um, I can't think of the name okay. right do you now. filter or do you tablet you use filter? tablets is it what do you use like I, a life straw honestly type thing? i haven't been in a, that situation what'd you do in china in china i did hot water right so boiled mm-hmm. but did i you was also sick? in hotels um, what's the sickest you've ever been overseas oh my god hergata egypt diving egypt a lot of people get sick I, i've never been see it. I was diving in the Red Sea. We're at like a club med situation too. It was, like a, Rob- it was a Robinson Club. No, it wasn't Charm. It was Hergata. Okay. And it was um, a Robinson Club, which is like a club med. And I, was, I had some bad buffet food or something. And oh. I was like flat out, literally like could barely <laughs> crawl to the hallway. Like just dunzo. It was bad. But I get seasick, which is funny. Like I get seasick really easily. So do I. And so and I'm every- working on a cruise ship. Oh, that's crazy. They're not How, so what bad. do you do? I mean, I've gotten better. I think I've gotten used to it. A, She's ginger? And B, they're just so big that oh, they're yeah. not too bad. I mean, but I did have some rough nights that I couldn't believe I didn't heave do over you, the side. And do you take be, some the patch? I haven't done the patch. Uh, I do some Dramamine every once in a while. but Oh, Dramamine knocks me out so bad. But I do still go on the small boats because like... I usually feed the fishies when I go yeah. to scuba dive because I that's, always get sick. I've done that. Always. One time I did it through my regulator. Uh, I know. I felt so bad. It was a rental. And I was like so gross. I was like, well, there's fishies now around me. (laughs) But um, I recently dove in the Aquarium of the Pacific for work. I live anchored host wraps for our Earth Day special on Spectrum. (laughs) Where's the Aquarium of the... In Long Beach. Oh, that one down there. Okay, yeah, yeah. And it's very interesting to be in an aquarium setting with fish because... They are so used to people and divers. There was this one giant fish that they called Bubbles, and he liked to get up in your bubbles and all up in your grill. <laughs> and it was just so funny because usually I'm the one chasing the shark or the fish, and they're all like just coming up to you, these stingrays, and just like, hey, what's up? <laughs> and um, yeah, so I still try to get in the water as much as I can. And I'm kind of weekend warrioring it right. at the well, moment. Well, you're working, so you yeah. got to be in town a little more. But next big trip i'm going to la paz to go chase some whale sharks for my birthday oh when's that i've That's never in been a, in october i'm an october whale birthday. when 14th oh i'm 19 yeah Hello. that's right libras libras yep yeah i'm gonna go that's uh, why we're simpatico yeah i'm gonna be <laughs> oh i won't be able to go well actually i could are I'm, you on a no, I'm working in, I'm doing a club. Hey, this is, I'll get my plug in here. Yeah. I'll be at uh, Zany's Comedy Club in Chicago, uh, October 14th, 15th, my birthday, 14th ah. and 15th, and then 17th through 19th, I'll be at the Zany's in St. Charles. So everybody back home, nice. come see me. Now my plug is done. <laughs> but, uh, so you're going in the 19th, because yes. I want to see the whale sharks. Yeah, so. I saw it, them in Panama once, but. 
Whale sharks are amazing. So speaking of feeding the fishies, like I got super sick on the whale oh. shark in on so, the whale shark. Not on the, the whale poor shark. whale shark. No, I definitely didn't. You no. just go barf on the whale shark. On the tour, I in in <laughs> Cancun is the best. Actually, July is the best time to go see them. Was it Isla Mujeres? Isla Mujeres, yeah. And uh, like I my did Spanish, that. Very good. I did that twice, and the first time I was I did it on a weekend warrior trip. So I did like a red eye in. Went Saturday and then flew back Sunday and then I came back to shoot my show. At that time, I was working for Yahoo Sports. Oh, my producers thought I was crazy, but I would do these crazy weekend warrior trips where I'd go like to Colombia for four days and then. Hey, if you only got a small window, you got to do what you can. Uh, yeah, you gotta YOLO. You gotta <laughs> soak it all up. And so I haven't done a crazy thing like that recently. Just. Um, Focused on telling hyper-local stories about my community. Uh, <laughs> well, good thing for you. I'm in the community now, and I want to know. So I will tune in. Yeah. And so. where can people see you on Spectrum? Say um, that again. So I am on at 7 a.m., 8 a.m., and 5 p.m. on the weekends for the Weekend Beat. Weekend Beat yep. with Angela Sun. Yep. That's cool. Chasing a sun. Chasing a sun. <laughs> um, okay, and finally... Um, how do you think all your travels and, and experiencing everything around the world has, um, has changed you as a person and how you look at people and the world? I think traveling has made me the person that I am. As someone who traveled from a young age, I felt like it opened my eyes to things that I really just didn't have a perspective on. And I think we get caught so much in our insular little world, especially now with the digital social media getting caught up in your silos of the people that are like-minded with you. It's great to get out of that bubble and really get the other perspective and learn the other side. Um, I think that is the place to start for common ground and to just bring us all together as peoples i think and the world is getting is so much smaller than it and was more crowded and more crowded i tell people eventually you know you can keep pot. running away uh people can run away farther and farther and retreat but eventually you're gonna have to get along with somebody yes you know you're even gonna have to learn to get are, along with someone different than you even if you're in the highlands of papua new guinea yeah <laughs> or the amazon mm-hmm and you might have to let, you know, a creepy guy sleep in your bed oh one gosh, day. Oh, gosh. That was so <laughs> bad. I actually have never told my mom that story. She well, after she listens to out. this, she's going to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for doing this. Thank thanks you. For, thanks for coming over thanks, for Mike. five blocks down the street. It was so fun. Yeah, thanks. Angela Sun, everybody. Comes the sun.